Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter and the people and organizations that are making a difference. For Women's History Month, we look at women who are making an impact on our community. The YWCA South Florida has been working to empower women for more than 100 years. More recently, under the leadership of President CEO Carrie Ann Royce, that mission has expanded further. We are delighted to recognize Carrie Ann during Women's History Month. And Carrie Ann, we want to hear your thoughts about being a leader and a change maker. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You came to Miami from Jamaica 30 years ago, a little bit longer. What was that transition Mm -hmm. like for you? Well, you know, I came as a 13-year-old. And you can only imagine what 13-year-olds are going through. Oh, right? yes. <laughs> uh, raging right. hormones and lots of insecurity. Lots of, lots of insecurity, lots of questioning, lots of figuring out who we are. But I also came from a household and a culture that was very grounded and rooted in our beliefs and our discipline and our real appreciation for who we are. So I came at 13 and I actually went right into high school. I went into high school early. So it was a real culture shock, a real culture shock, not only from leaving my home, but also from entering and jumping into diving into what was a high school culture in the inner city. That in itself was a personal transition. But there was also this, you know, hopefulness and this other transition of coming to this country and and all of the, you know, wonderful stuff you see on TV and the, you know, all the amazing opportunities and experiences that you could have here as well. But so navigating all of those feelings and all of those opportunities and all of those competing emotions. I think was just what consumed me. And you obviously, with all of those challenges of jumping into high school right away in an inner city, things could have gone down a very different path. But you chose where you went. And it wasn't just high school. I am absolutely in awe of your education achievements. And if you don't mind my bragging on your behalf, (laughs) you got your bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology from FIU. Then you graduated summa cum laude with a master's degree in business administration from FAU. And then you went back to school at Harvard for your executive certificate in strategic perspectives of nonprofit management. Where did you develop this thirst for learning and how has it made a difference in your career? I am a greedy learner, (laughs) but I am insatiable. I am absolutely a greedy learner. And I think even going back to school for my MBA was such a labor of love. And it's very different from when you go to school as an 18 year old. Very different. You know who you are. You know what you want. I am so glad I didn't do it during COVID because I love a classroom environment and I was able to enjoy that. I think my love of learning, again, is rooted and grounded in my culture. It's very, very highly 
sought after and highly regarded. As I was growing up, your entire community really wrapped itself around understanding the importance of education, valuing it, rewarding you, celebrating you, celebrating your family. Education was certainly something that we saw as our number one job. And that just continues. That's where change is so desperately needed in our country in equalizing education opportunities for everyone. Now, you worked with the YMCA for more than 13 years in other Mm -hmm. capacities. Then you went to another agency for a few years and then came back and took over as president and CEO of the YWCA. Yes. What's different about the YMCA and the YWCA and being in a leadership role? Well, here in South Florida, I like to say no pools, no gyms, only social justice. At our YWCA, we are a social justice organization. We are rooted and grounded in that from day one. To eliminate racism and empower women has always been our marching call. We are a bold and proud mission. I think both YW and YM are cornerstones of community. We both serve very huge roles and have responsibilities to the people that we serve. At YW, however, we focus on the disparities. Mm. Everything, everything, every program, every communication, every education, every person we hire, every person on the team, everything we do has been developed to specifically address an area of disparity at the intersection of race and gender. So that is the main difference. I've enjoyed both journeys. Certainly leading the YWCA has been one of the pinnacle moments of my career, I would say. This mission speaks to my soul. I am the mother of two And I have enjoyed what it means to both struggle with being an immigrant woman in this country, as well as thrive as living in my skin. And I know what it feels like to walk that journey on different sides. And each of us has a different story. So to be able to lead a movement that says we believe in, understand, and want to uplift in every way, shape, or form what women of color, people of color can do, and how we can all as a society walk that journey together. I think there's no greater work for me to do at this time. And you're such a perfect role model for showing exactly how people can take what's available and use it for good and accomplish amazing things. Now, in the years that you've been president and CEO of the YWCA, what new developments and initiatives have come about and are you most proud of? You know, there are several things that we have developed in this time that I'm really proud of. But if I were to say there were one thing that really makes me happy when I go to bed at night, it's that we not only focus on programs that address individuals anymore, we focus on the systemic issues that cause these folks to have to suffer the disparities that they have in the past. So it's not just about focusing on, quote unquote, saving the victim. And we certainly are not a victimized community, but it's not about focusing on fixing how someone has already fallen in the cracks of society. It's more about why is there a crack? What happens when we resolve that so that we as a society recognize that there's a systemic issue, address that and allow others to then never have to fall into those woes? So I'm very proud of the fact that we're working with systems partners, that we're doing things that help us as a community to learn about equity and to learn about what systemic racism looks like in our society, that we're creating programs that change the economic outcome for a generation of women, especially in a time post-COVID where we've learned so much about the economics and how women hold up societies. 
and also the disproportionate impact that it's had on women of color. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I'm most proud of is that we're really working on making sure that economics are at the core of equity and that we're addressing systemic issues with our partners. One of the initiatives that began under your leadership is called Stand Against Racism. It's a 21-day initiative starting in April and YWCA is leading the way. Can you give us a brief overview of the purpose of Stand Against Racism, what you hope to achieve, and how can our listeners participate? Thank you so much for giving us the platform to talk about this. The first two years, it was under the moniker of the 21-day challenge, which some folks might recognize. It is about clearing space where we collectively, as a community, have an opportunity to learn about what systemic racism and inequities look like in regular life, in our day-to-day lives. Not all of us have the opportunity to change policy. Not all of us have the opportunity to run organizations. But as community members, we have the responsibility to understand our place in changing the equity outcomes for everyone. And I think we can all agree on that, regardless of if we're Republican or Democrat or whatever we want to call ourselves. This is a common safe space with free democratic information that we're asking you to clear a space in your day for 21 days. To change habits takes 21 days, which is why we ask you for 21, where once a day you get in your inbox an opportunity to learn about a specific topic collectively with us here in South Florida. It's been overwhelmingly successful and we're expecting thousands to participate this year. The rising tide raises all ships, right? I like to say ships. Some people say boats, I understand. Yeah. But that that's the concept. We are all responsible and we want South Florida to be the most equitable community to live in. How can people sign up for Stand Against Racism? You can sign up today by visiting us on every social media platform, as well as on our website at YWCASouthFlorida.org or on social media at YWCASouthFL. That's YWCA South FL, free to all, open to all. And you can also create a group either at work or in your Bible study or friends on your block can come together and take this learning journey together and talk about it on a weekly basis. You are setting such an amazing example. Everything you've said here, I think people can take to heart as great advice. So what would you give as advice to a woman who wants to follow in your career footsteps to become a leader and a change maker. Wow. I think this work is very personal work. And if you have a personal calling within whichever space you sit, whether you're a lawyer or you are a teacher or you're a mother or you do want to be the CEO of a nonprofit, follow your personal journey Deep dive into understanding the issues you care about. Show up and learn more. Figure out where you can connect and give back or take action and bring others along with you where you can. This journey is like any other journey where you are leading things and taking care of people. You have to show up. You have to be present. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be consistent and all of those great leadership things. But in order to lead a movement or a mission, it really does have to have personal meaning to you. So. Do what resonates with you and do it from whatever seat you play, because we can all contribute. Great advice. And one of the things I often ask is, you know, if someone had a mentor. But I have a feeling that in a number of years, 
I'm going to be interviewing people who are going to say, you know, I had this woman in my life, Carrie Ann Royce, and she took me <laughs> under her wing and she inspired me and, and I want to credit her. It's going to happen. And I have to thank you, Carrie Ann Royce. I hope so. I count on it. President, CEO of YWCA South Florida, really appreciate the positive changes that you have brought to our community. We are grateful for what you do, and we salute you during Women's History Month. Oh, what a blessing. Thank you so much, and thank you for creating this platform to elevate the voices of so many women in South Florida. Thank you for standing for us. Anytime. Joining me now on Community Focus, we have the co-chairs of this year's PAUSE Gala to benefit the Humane Society of Broward County. PAUSE, of course, standing for Pets Are Worth Saving. I'm very happy to welcome co-chair Elise Lemstrom. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. And also, she happens to be the president of PAUSE, as well as the co-chair of this year's PAUSE Gala, Cheryl Mayer. Welcome back. Thank you. So happy that you're having us back. I feel like it's been forever, and I realize it's been since before the pandemic that we spoke, because for a couple of years, you couldn't hold the PAUSE Gala. Then last year, you were back into it, and now you are full force. Can you tell me what the intervening years were like? How did you manage to do your fundraising during the pandemic? You know, we were very fortunate because we had at one point a prominent person in the community step up and say that they would match any dollars that we as PAWS could raise up to 250000 Wow. So we had a very important goal. And in pause style, we met that. And of course, that came really just from the hearts of the pause community. And of course, that incredible fundraiser. But the Humane Society did have to really take a step back. They had to skinny up like every organization, but they did not sacrifice their commitment to the animals and taking in additional animals. I can speak a little bit about how they did it. Sure. Yes. Of course, what they did to not stop the adoptions is they had a controlled environment, very controlled environment. Uh, now, you know, we have the luxury of just being able to stop in to the Humane Society, try to set up an appointment. But if you don't, they'll still let you walk through and enjoy the animals or try to meet the animals. At that point, it was very shut down. You had to make an appointment very strictly. Everybody was masked, gloved, limited how many volunteers they had at one time, but they kept the shelter open and they were even able to bring in some very big hardship case animals. Oh, wow. So wonderful. And I understand they actually had quite a lot of adoptions. Apparently, people were bringing pets into their home to keep them company while we were in lockdown. And I also understand that a number of people brought them back afterward, which just breaks my heart. I can't understand how people can do that because to me, your pet is your family member. It's my child. So they must have had challenges after the fact with these returning animals and then having to adopt them out a second time. There were some of those for sure, but I will say one of the big efforts that they do is to find out the reason that the person is having to bring the pet back. And we have a very active 
group, whether it be vets or counselors or just people to help you help yourself keep the animal. So if it's because the animal's sick and you can't afford treatment, there's programs in place that help there. If it's some feeding, they can help in that regard because we have some wonderful sponsors like Nestle Purina, who sponsors food. So there are avenues that they could help try to keep the pet in place. And then, of course, if those efforts couldn't work, certainly they took the pet back and were able to replace them. Right. I know that they will go to every length possible to find homes. And if necessary, they trade animals with other shelters, right? So that they are basically a no-kill shelter. The luxury that the Humane Society of Broward has had over the last many years, 25, 26 years, is that they've done so much outreach with spade and neutering that the influx of animals is much less than it was back in the day. So back in the day, as I understand from Christopher, it was, you know, 20,000 pets were being brought in and it was out of control. And now it's more like 4,500 and we're actually going out and doing outreach, to your point, to other communities that maybe don't have the luxury of as many people who could adopt out. And then you're right, because with efforts of all the fundraising that the Humane Society does, along with all the fundraising that PAWS does, we have the luxury of having the affordability, shall we say, of enough vets on staff that we can handle some of the difficult cases where, yes, an animal might have been, you know, put to sleep. At last year's gala, we had an animal that came in, had been abandoned on the side of the road. She was a very sweet little gal, and she had cancer in her mammary glands. Mm. So basically, she had a double mastectomy and was placed and was adorable. But in the old days, that couldn't have been. But with the efforts of the Humane Society itself and then the auxiliary of PAWS, and the vet commitment, those stories are more common instead of the other choice. Love hearing that. Elise, I have to ask you, this is totally volunteering your time for PAWS for the Humane Society of Broward and co-chairing a huge event. And I know that takes a lot of time. What is your motivation? What drew you in to joining PAWS and being part of the chairing of the PAWS Gala? Well, so about 10 years ago, I adopted a puppy from Broward Humane Society, and he was just the love of my life. And the most amazing thing that came into my life at that time, I was in college and just starting out and, you know, going through all the things that we all go through in those years. And he was just incredible. So I started volunteering um, many years ago. And then just a few years ago, sat on the committee for the gala because it's a fantastic event and I wanted to get more involved. And shortly thereafter, I was asked to sit on the board. And then Cheryl asked me to be her VP uh, a couple of years ago, <laughs> right as we were heading into COVID. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, why am, why, you know, <laughs> what an undertaking, but how incredibly uh, motivating it is to see where all of our fundraising efforts go and what a difference it makes to be able to get these animals fantastic homes. And, and it really, you know, it's, 
it's such a great warm feeling to see new families adopting a new part of the family and the way that that changes people's lives. And it certainly had an impact on mine. So I just want to continue the efforts so that everyone can have that warm and fuzzy in their life. Yeah, I really believe everybody should have a pet because it's the unconditional love that we're all looking for. And maybe it's not in the form that you would expect it to come from, but it is there and it's true. I I have to imagine that every day you have a smile on your face. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the pause gala is a large undertaking. I will admit to that. But we have such an amazing support from the staff at the Humane Society and such an incredible committee and really fantastic members of the community that come out to support a lot of our events, but especially the gala. So it's just wonderful to see the outpour of love. And especially if you're fortunate enough to be in the room that evening, you can just feel the amazing support from the community. It's it's a fantastic feeling. And it's great to be in a room with a whole bunch, like three or 400 like-minded people who also appreciate and understand the benefits of having a pet in your life. For those who don't know, who've never had a pet, Cheryl, can you tell us what are some of the emotional and physical benefits of having a pet? I think anybody who has been around, just like you said, the unconditional love, they're always happy to see you. They never hold a grudge. (laughs) And they have the sweetest little faces when they look at you like you are the one. Um, But also for people who are lonely, who might be officing from home and aren't having contact, it's something that either gets them out because they need to take a walk with their animal, gets them into a pet store to chat it up. There's just that other emotional support. If you're not feeling well, they're right by your side. I mean, as you know, because we're all pet lovers, it's like you could the list could go on and on and on. Yeah, I had one cat that would lick my face when I would sing because he thought I was sick. <laughs> he was trying to make me feel better. It's very entertaining. But again, like you say, the unconditional love and also, you know, just the practice of petting a pet. It helps lower your heart rate, your blood pressure. There are physical benefits, too. Um, So, of course, we always encourage people to adopt with our pet of the week and having the pause gala. If I remember correctly, you always have a guest pet, don't you? We do. We call them a warm and fuzzy. And we do have a pet that comes out. And like Cheryl said, the pet last year had had cancer and had to have surgeries. And the stories are always heartwarming. The pets that we bring out aren't always you know, suffering from anything. Sometimes they're just happy, cute, fantastic puppies. But we try to have a dog or a pet available at every event to share with the audience, but also that is available for adoption. And it really um, shows everyone in the room why we're there and what our efforts are going towards. It makes it very real and, you know, part of part of the event. So it's fantastic. Yeah. It's the reason there. So absolutely. One of the things that I love about what you do with the pause gala is every year you come up with some new, amazing, creative theme. And this year it's the enchanted masquerade ball. How much time do you guys spend in your meetings brainstorming to come up with a better idea than the year before? Because it's really hard to top yourself. Well, you know, I have to hand it to Cheryl. We were just 
getting started. We weren't even having our first committee meeting yet. We were actually at a committee meeting for a different event that we held a few months back. And Cheryl just, I don't know, spur of the moment, looked at me and said, what about having a masquerade ball? Ooh. And I went, yes, that's it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so we brainstormed just a, a little bit and I said, okay, what if we do enchanted masquerade ball? Let's get away from the word gala and change it to ball. And let's do, you know, the enchanted part is going to bring a little bit of mystery to it. And let's do essentially a Venetian masquerade ball. And um, we shared it with the committee and everyone loved it. And uh, so, yeah, it just it was it was Cheryl's brainchild and it just it came out so easily. So I, I'm not sure how she came up with that. And well, you know what's so great about um, the pause events? One, people can get behind them because they're like a little bit more fun. They're not too pretentious. Right. Right. Uh -huh. And it also so helps some of the corporate sponsors get behind us so that they can, when we did Diamonds Are Forever last year, you know, a beautiful diamond ring was donated uh, by a sponsor. And this year, the Venetian ball, it's a Venetian necklace is going to be raffled off. And so it just gives everybody something to work towards and to focus on. So it's always super fun. And it is fun, but we want to just pause and say that we do have sponsorships still available starting at $3,500 for a table of 10 and lots of prominent underwriting opportunities. Our underwriting opportunities start at $3,000 and our underwriters are really very, very prominently displayed throughout the evening. So if there are any companies out there that would like some fantastic advertising, we do have those underwriting opportunities still available. And how would they get in touch with you or Cheryl or whoever it is on the board or the committee who handles sponsorships? They would actually reach out to Jamie Profont at the Humane Society. Um, they can reach her at 954-266-6827, or they can go to the website, pausebroward.com. Okay, great. Or just main number, and everybody knows who Jamie Profont is. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Also purchase tickets that way. You can purchase tickets on the website, or you can purchase tickets over the phone. And those are starting at 325 per person. So we are definitely on an affordable scale for such a fantastic event. It really is. I was going to say, you know how to throw a party. And you've been there to I, participate. I have. And like everyone else, I have come in full costume. People go crazy with the costumes. It's amazing. I am sure there will be people in full gowns with corsets for the Venetian masquerade ball theme and their hair done up in tiaras. It's just it's amazing and wonderful to see. And I understand if people go ahead and buy their tickets today, you have a special welcoming event tomorrow, right? On the 27th? Yes, exactly. At Grateful Palette, which is a wonderful supporter of the Humane Society, is supporting us with from 11 to 1 a drop-in where you can have a glass of wine and a snack, but also more importantly, to get excited about the masquerade event and hopefully buy your mask right there. Okay. You'll have a, a variety of different looks and colors. Yes, we'll have lots and lots of different masks and styles to select from. And we will also be doing a raffle drawing for one very special Venetian mask. So come on out, have a glass of wine, have, you know, some small snacks and purchase your masquerade mask. And of course, 
you know, raffle tickets. Raffles are so much fun. The yeah. mass raffling is gorgeous. I am, have no doubt. So, okay, so you definitely want to go to pausebrower.com, get your tickets today so that you can attend the free event tomorrow at the Grateful Palette. And once you sign up, you'll get the information about that. Um, don't want to miss that opportunity. And of course, you don't want to miss the gala itself. You know, like I've said, you, you throw a, a real party and there's never a dull moment, starting with cocktails and a silent auction and dinner and dancing and a live band and a live auction. And of course, the guest puppy or whatever animal it happens to be. Do you still need donations of items for the auction? We are always looking for fabulous donations, particularly in this market. So if anybody has anything that they have, typically our silent auction items, they might be, you know, two or three things together, are around $500 value. And we have what's called a super silent. That is usually a couple thousand dollar value. And then the live auction items, oftentimes they're priceless because they're unusual experiences that you can't just buy off the shelf. So we're looking for all of those things. And one last little piece, if there's just no way you can make it to the gala, we will be having our auction online starting on Friday before so that people can participate. They can buy raffle tickets for the Venetian necklace online so they can support the Humane Society and PAWS without attending the ball if they can't. That's wonderful. I mean, I've walked out with my arms full of auction items. I mean, I found a new dentist because of you guys. <laughs> it oh was, I'm serious. It was part of a teeth whitening program, and it turned out to be this great dentist. And of course, there are gifts for pets and you put together packages with local theme parks or restaurants and wine baskets and all kinds of things that people can enjoy right here. And then there are weekend getaways or a yacht for a week. The, the range of items is amazing. And the amount of work that you put into getting them is I, I bow to you because I know how hard it can be and how much time it can take. And you guys just give yourself to it 100%. What we have not told the audience is when this is happening. <laughs> Mark your calendars, April 22nd at the Harbor Beach Marriott, 6.30, be there. Okay, in costume, but get your tickets today so that you can be part of the special masquerade mask event tomorrow at the Grateful Palette and get a head start on planning your outfit with one of the beautiful masks that will be available tomorrow. Again, the website is pawsbroward.com and you can always go to our Pet of the Week page, our Furry Friend of the Week page to see what pets are available for adoption or go to Humane Brown com and see also the pets that are available for adoption. I can't thank you guys enough for, you know, spending time with me this morning and also what you've put into helping the Humane Society through PAWS. If someone's interested in joining you as a member of PAWS, pets are worth saving. What's the best way to do that? Also, I would say the website of PAWS membership is only $35 a year and you'll get all of the invitations to events year round. You can also become what we call a forever friend. That's a thousand dollar donation. And then you are a PAWS member for life. So we strongly encourage you to visit the website for either of those options, but 
you know, either one gets you on our mailing list and keeps you um, up to date and all of the things that we have going on. And if your dentist is listening, we would love a call <laughs> and a donation. <laughs> I will tell Tori Lind, that's the guy. (laughs) We're expecting a call and a donation of that whitening package, please. Okay. (laughs) Um, Have a wonderful day. I'll see you guys on the 22nd. And thank you again, Elise Lemstrom, Vice President of PAWS and Co-Chair of the PAWS Enchanted Masquerade Ball, and Cheryl Mayer, President of PAWS and Co-Chair of the Enchanted Masquerade Ball, all to benefit the Humane Society of Broward County. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-S-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus, and have a wonderful day. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.